20 years ago, my sister and I took a trip out west. And our first night, we knew we were going to be in Wisconsin. And it was near where this couple who I had did their wedding at St. Mary Cathedral 10 years before lived. And I thought, oh, it'd be a good chance to get reconnected that we had exchanged cards and, and uh, over the years. And so I, I contacted them. They said, well, don't stay at a hotel, just stay at our house. So we spent the night with them. And uh, when we arrived that evening, they put out some snacks and they served a bottle of wine. Now, I don't know if it was the excitement of being on the trip or being with family and friends, but that wine, it was the best wine I had ever tasted. I just, I thought, wow, I didn't know that wine could taste this good. So I mention that just because I think of that when I read this gospel. Everyone serves good wine first, and then when people have drunk freely an inferior one, but you have kept the good wine until now. And I was thinking about that wine at that wedding at Cana. Not only was it really good, rich wine, but did you notice the quantity of it? It says there were six stone water jars, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Fill the jars with water so they filled them to the brim. Now, I was doing a little math on this. 20 to 30 gallons of uh, six jars, that's 120 to 180 gallons. There's five bottles of wine in each gallon. So that's between 600 and 900 bottles of really good choice wine. That's quite a wine cellar, isn't it? All right. Now, if you're a wine drinker, you're pretty excited at this point. If you're not, you might think, What's the big deal? I don't even like wine. Well, here's the big deal. For the people of Jesus' time, for, uh, if, if you were Jewish, you knew, well, you knew that wine was good, and you knew that wine was key to your culture, but it was also, as you read the scriptures, the presence of, of this abundance of wine, of choice wine, it was a sign of pointing to the messianic banquet, to the Messiah arriving, to the heavenly feast, to, to really the culmination of God's kingdom. That's what this wine represents. And that it's Jesus who is bringing this about. This is a big deal. You know, it says here at the end of this, his disciples began to believe in him. And it wasn't just because they like, hey, here's a guy that can produce good wine. There, there was something much, much deeper going on here. This is a sign of God breaking in into the, king, uh, into the world, of, of everything's changed. It's the first of his signs. It's his inauguration. And do you remember last week when I was talking about Epiphany? And I, I mentioned the blue book and how Epiphany, this feast, Epiphany means God is revealed, and how this feast of Epiphany, it's about 
Um, the birth of Jesus, yes, God enters the world in a little baby. It's about how God has revealed to the nations, you know, with the Magi, the three kings, the sense of the star and uh, as a sign that, that this is God for all people. Last week was the baptism of the Lord. And you might recall it was, you know, as Jesus is baptized and the Holy Spirit descends on him and the voice from heaven, this is my beloved son. These are all manifestations. And then from the early time on in the church, this feast of the wedding of Cana was also connected to Epiphany. Remember I said you could leave your Christmas stuff up because we're reading the Epiphany Gospel today. Um, so that's what's happening today, this, that, that God has made manifest in this overabundance, this extravagance of God's love revealed in Jesus, that Jesus brings about this miracle. So this is something that points us to Epiphany, but it's also something, do you notice? And at first you might think, well, this is kind of weird. You know, here, here you know, Mary, Jesus' mother, she, she's doing a very practical thing. She's pointing out, hey, they have no wine. And, and that would be a tragedy for a, a wedding back at that time to run out of wine. And Jesus kind of, well, woman, how does your concern affect me? You know, gee, how is Jesus talking to his mother here? Um, he says, my hour has not yet come. But that's critical here. My hour has not yet come. What is Jesus talking about here? It's the hour of his glorification. Well, move ahead three months from now. Holy Week, Holy Thursday, we're going to be hearing from the Gospel of John. And at that Gospel, we're going to hear, before the Feast of Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to pass from this world to the Father. That's when we enter into the sacred triduum, the whole mystery of Jesus at the Last Supper, saying to his disciples, this is my body given for you, this is my blood poured out for you, do this in memory of me. And then Jesus that night is handed over he is put on trial, he is condemned to death, he is crucified, he dies, and on the third day rises. That is Jesus' glory. That is Jesus. Jesus sent into the world. Now his role is brought to fulfillment. His hour has come. So this feast that we celebrate today, it's pointing back to Epiphany, but it's also pointing ahead to us to Jesus' ultimate glory, his passion, death, and resurrection. And for us, what about us? We are given the examples of the disciples. It says, Jesus did this as the beginning of his signs at Canaan and Galilee, and so revealed his glory, and his disciples began to believe in him. Do we begin to believe in Jesus? It's not just about the transformation of water into wine here. This is about the transformation of the disciples. They begin to believe in him. Do we allow our hearts to open? Do we allow our hearts to believe? To see in this water made wine a sign of God's extravagant love for us. The outpouring of his gifts to us. 
the ultimate gift of Jesus himself.